The Voices of Search podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything podcast network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. Bridge Toll, California, customer service number. Highway miles to the gallon, Ford Focus. Thailand Cave Rescue Operation. What is Schema F? Best wine bars in San Carlos, California. Best Western hotels. How old is Ronaldo? What happened with Big Brother? What took an engagement? How long before a wedding should I send out many save the dates? The first Use IMAP to check email on other email clients. Identify fonts from where to find the Welcome to SEO Predictions Month on the Voices of Search podcast. I'm your host, Benjamin Shapiro, and today we're going to continue our month-long series covering some of the boldest SEO predictions for 2019. Joining us for SEO Predictions Month is Eric Enga, who is the General Manager for Digital Marketing at Proficient Digital, which is a leading digital transformation consulting firm serving enterprise customers with unparalleled information technology, management consulting, and creative capabilities. And today, Eric is going to share some of his SEO predictions for 2019. And this podcast is also sponsored by Ahrefs. What if I told you that you could monitor your website's SEO health, backlinks, and organic rankings at no costs? Sounds too good to be true? Well, it's not. Because my friends at Ahrefs just launched Ahrefs Webmaster Tools. Ahrefs' new Webmaster Tools product quickly helps you improve your site's visibility by pointing solutions to over 100 technical issues that might be holding your search performance down. Plus, AWT monitors for backlinks so you'll know the most linked to pages and how those links are affecting your rankings. And AWT shares what keywords your website ranks for and compares how you stack up against competitors for key metrics like search volume, keyword difficulty, and traffic value. Look, monitoring your website used to require multiple expensive tools. And now, thanks to Ahrefs, that's not the case anymore because AWT will help you monitor your SEO health, backlinks, and keywords for free. And no, it's not one of those 14-day free trial offers. It's a powerful site audit tool that will keep working for you for free. So check out Ahrefs Webmaster Tools at ahrefs.com slash A-W-T. That's A-H-R-E-F-S dot com slash A-W-T. Okay, here's our interview with Eric Inga, who is the General Manager of Proficient Digital. Eric, welcome to the Voices of Search podcast. Well, thanks for having me, Ben. I'm looking forward to it. It's great to have you here. And I just want to make sure that I, I pronounced both your name and the company name correctly. It's it's Eric Enga and it's Proficient. Proficient it is and Eric Enga it is. So two for two. So in, in my research for this podcast, uh, I noticed that there's Proficient, Proficient Digital, and then another brand, Stone Temple, that are all related to your work. Tell us a little bit about yourself and, and how those three brands all fit together. Sure. So uh, I'm someone who's been doing SEO for uh, about 20 years now and uh, you know, widely published and do a lot of public speaking and things like that uh, on topics around SEO and digital marketing. I've had the, the good fortune to be named uh, Search Marketer of the Year or Search Personality of the Year three different times. And I had uh, an agency called Stone Temple Consulting is very well known uh, SEO agency in the in the industry, but in July of last year, it was acquired by a company called Proficient, 
so we became part of Proficient. And within Proficient, there's a division called Proficient Digital or business unit called Proficient Digital, which is the thing that focuses on digitally related services. The other parts of Proficient you know, do things like massive Microsoft installations and Oracle installations and enterprise uh, consulting, things of that kind. Uh, but our group is focused on digital marketing stuff. And so that's why there's three different names in the mix there, each one of which has their own website. The Stone Temple website is a historical thing from before the acquisition. At some point in the future, uh, probably not too far down the road, it will probably get merged into the proficient digital site. It's just not done yet. It sounds like you've had uh, a proficient is a, a large agency uh, and you have exposure to a fair amount of enterprise clients and also your background working in digital marketing, a deep background in SEO. So I want to talk to you a little bit about some of your predictions for SEO for 2019. You came up with three big predictions. Let's let's talk about your first one. What do you think is going to happen in 2019? You know, one of the big rages in the industry over the past year has been voice. You know, voice is going to take over the world. There were predictions that uh, voice would be, you know, voice plus image search together would be 50% of all queries by 2020. It's actually Andrew Ng, formerly chief scientist at Baidu, who made that prediction. Um, so... My take on it is that voice is growing and will continue to grow. And there's lots of great opportunities around voice. But it isn't going to take over the world just yet. And no, it's not going to be anywhere near 50% by 2020. Maybe maybe it will be north of 5% or close to 10% by then. But that's kind of the range I expect that to get to based on what I see. We've done a fair amount of investigation into voice search, into position zero, optimizing mm-hmm. you know, our SEO's efforts into maximizing the ability. And, and it's interesting to me that you're talking about voice getting up to 10% of total queries. Do you have any sense of how big voice is right now? And, and what do you think the growth is going to be in this year? Is it doubling? Is it staying flat? You know, what's, What should we think about just for the next 300 and... I guess it's a little less than 65 days, 350 days remaining in the year. Yeah. Um, so it's a good question. So you can imply from what I said that it's well less than 5% now. Um, unfortunately, there is no good clean data on uh, what that really looks like and where, you know, what the real numbers are. You know, folks like Google and, and Bing that, are taking voice queries, don't report on what percentage uh, those are at. And my sense is that they're doing that deliberately uh, because they don't want to dampen the energy going into people investing in voice because that creative energy uh, can help make the voice field more, uh, you know, using voice queries more compelling to users. But, but one thing I want to mention, um, the phrase voice search is a little misleading. Because the queries are very different uh, right now than you would put into a browser because you don't go to your browser and say, call mom. Um, (laughs) Not very often. Yeah, it's just not. uh, But a lot of the voice commands that people are using with devices such as their personal assistants or their smart speakers are things just like that or set a timer or play this song. 
stuff that doesn't happen in your browser, but it's actually very common stuff with uh, in those other environments. Yeah, I think that there's a couple different flavors of voice search. You, you talk about the commands and sort of the utility functions, and with the IoT or the home speakers, I, you know, those are more utility based for the most part. I think that when people are walking around on their mobile phones and they are, you know, hey Siri, tell me about something, something, something or you know, whatever their command is going to be, I do think that there's a little bit more on the mobile side that is more closely correlated to what a traditional browser-based search would be. To me, the thing that's interesting about how people are using voice is A, the proliferation of the devices. And so while we might not see voice become a high percentage of searches, the ability for people to start doing more voice searches is going to increase because the price of the voice search devices are going down. The, the big companies are pushing them more and more. Um, and there's also the difference between you know, the user experience where you know, Amazon seems to be focused more on e-commerce and Google is more on you know, data consumption and you know, answering questions with their voice search services. Just quickly before we talk about your next topic, how do you see the difference between the Amazons, the Googles, and the Apples of the world in terms of voice search and their strategy for this year? Well, I think one of the big driving factors in what you just mentioned, uh, Ben, is differentiation uh, between Amazon and Google has to do with what they are known for and what they have access to. So for Amazon to wire up an e-commerce experience based on their extraordinarily popular uh, e-commerce capabilities already is easy. It's, it's not just that it's easy technically to do because it's easy for Google to do technically. But users have that expectation. So um, the reason why they're more likely to buy something you know, via Alexa than Google Assistant has everything to do with that. You know, users are used to buying things from Amazon and they're not used to buying things from Google and vice versa. Uh, they're used to asking questions of Google. And the other major differentiation to wrap our brain around is that Google has the ability to crawl the web, hence the whole conversation of featured snippets in voice, to get answers to questions. And Amazon doesn't. So these things sort of guide the different areas of focus because the users are seeing that as a reason uh, to to go in the direction of one device or the other. Uh, the challenge for Siri is that they're not known for either of those things. Uh, Apple isn't. So um, the user expectation isn't the same there. You know, I actually use Siri for some things, by the way, by the way, including dialing phone numbers and sending texts by voice um, because it just works and it's simple. I don't have to go into a third-party app. And that's the other piece that's really important. What ends up being easiest to use because the driving factor of transition to voice will be those situations where it becomes easier than the alternatives. And I mean materially easier than the alternatives. Yeah, I think that there's, there's still a long ways to go in 2019. Yes. In terms of the user experience and it's, it's still you know, a battle in the trenches. It's early days for voice. And to me, this year is is purely going to be about a land grab between the big three companies of who can get their devices out there the most. Yep, agreed. And then they will focus on uh, 
improving the user experience in, in 2020 and beyond. Let's talk a little bit more about your, your second prediction. Um, why don't you go ahead and, and tell our, our listeners you know, what you think is the, the second biggest thing that's going to happen in 2019. So there were a lot of very important Google updates that took place in 2018. And I expect the, the focus of those updates to continue to be the focus of the updates from Google in 2019. So let's talk about what the focus of those updates was. My perception, by the way, is not the way that a lot of other people have written about it, but uh, an improved understanding of user intent with a query, an improved understanding of the content of various websites to meet that intent. That, I think, is the big area that Google is focused on right now. And in our analysis of the updates that they did in March and April and again in it was August and then September, October. All those updates, um, they, they were all tinkering in, in those areas in very material ways. And I expect that to continue because there's probably little that Google can do to further improve the quality of their search results than, than address that, that area. To me, this prediction is there's going to be more of the same in the sense that <laughs> where Google's updates were focused on optimizing the ability to answer questions, right? Matching people's user intent. It's an on-demand world. People are looking for shorter snippets of information. And to me, one of the things that we talk about in Jordan Cooney, who's the CEO of Search Metrics, is predictions for 2019 about how long-form content will be refractored and reprioritized as Google has the ability to not only look at a piece of content and evaluate as a whole, but look at pieces within an article or a post and being able to pick those out and basically evaluate individual paragraphs, individual bullets, individual sentences. Is that kind of along the lines of what you're suggesting? Is that Google is going to be able to understand the pieces of content, not just content as a whole? Um, so I, I think that's definitely related to what I was saying. It wasn't exactly what I was focusing on, but I think uh, Jordan is probably right in his... Uh, prediction. For me, it's like, here's a way I'll model it for you. Let's say you have 100 users come to your site. Uh, you're selling digital cameras in my example here. So, And they've just searched the, the, on the phrase digital cameras and they arrive at your site. And so ask yourself the question, what is it they, that they want? And, and let's imagine that you get to survey these 100 users and get them to tell you. They each provide you 5 to 10 things that they're looking for. And some of them are going to be looking for Zoom capabilities and some are going to be concerned about storage and you know, who knows what else. Um, mm-hmm. um, you know, any number of different things they're going to be concerned with. And you get all these lists from them and you'll find that none of the two lists are the same. And you'll also find that, um, you know, let's, let's say 100 people at 5 to 10, let's say you get 700 different things people wrote down. Of the 700, you're probably going to find 400 or more unique different things. And my point here is that the user needs are highly variant. Mm -hmm. And the world, uh, our approach in the world of SEO of researching the top 10 keywords, writing detailed pieces of content of those top 10 keywords, uh, and you're done is broken. That's not the way you should be thinking about it today. You should be thinking about how do I create something that satisfies the maximum percentage of users 
who come to my site. And that means looking a lot more deeply than the top 10 keywords. So essentially, your suggestion in terms of what SEO should be doing is being focused less on, you know, like you mentioned, your, your top 10 keywords related and, and more trying to cover the maximum footprint of user interest. I, I think that's right. By the way, that doesn't mean that knowing the top keywords is unimportant. No, it's still extremely important. It's just not enough. Right. Time for a one-minute break to hear from our sponsor, Previsible. So you're looking for SEO help, and you got a couple of options. You could start replying to spam from agencies that claim they can get you to rank number one on Google. You can pay an hourly rate for a consultant who will inevitably nickel and dime you with hourly charges. Or you can work with a cookie-cutter agency to quickly launch a strategy-less project with low success rate. None of those sound very good, now do they? Well, that's where Previsible's integrated consulting model comes in. Previsible draws from a collective 40 years of SEO and digital marketing experience to unlock your organic growth opportunities. They build custom solutions that combine strategy, technical expertise, content, and reporting to effectively operationalize SEO for your business. Previsible's four-stage approach ensures that your SEO programs thrive by starting off with a strategy-first approach. Then they support you in your efforts to create quality content, help you identify technical issues, and most importantly, they'll work with your cross-functional teams to integrate your SEO strategies to make sure that your SEO budget actually drives results, not just your agency's bottom line. So join brands like Yelp, eBay, Canva, Atlassian, Square, all who rely on the SEO consultants at Previsible. For more information, go to previsible.io. That's previsible, P-R-E-V-I-S-I-B-L-E dot I-O. Yeah, so it sounds like your suggestion is in some way to take a broad approach. And as you're putting your content strategies together for 2019, instead of focusing on top-level head terms, it's really about a broad approach to reaching sort of your, your belly and your tails term and let those feed up into your your head terms. Yep. Breaths and death. Okay. Uh, talk to me a little bit about your third recommendation. This one is a little bit more about where SEOs should be focusing their attention. And to me, this was a little controversial. What's your third prediction? So yeah, it is a little controversial. So I did that deliberately so we could have some fun. Um, so third prediction, mobile usage will continue to grow but for most businesses, the desktop site may still be more important. So wait, what now? <laughs> like to me, that is totally counterintuitive to what we've been talking about in a lot of the predictions where it's a mobile world, people are consuming more content on the go. And your suggestion is, hey, focus on focus on the desktop experience. Why? Okay. So first of all, I probably don't disagree with what the other people said. I'm just adding an important flavor to it. Mm -hmm. So uh, certainly our, our own studies, we would publish an annual study on level of mobile versus desktop usage. And they show that you know, more than half visits, approximately 60% of visits to a website originate from a mobile device today. And we know from Google's mobile first indexing initiative, uh, once you're site has been switched to mobile-first indexing, that the SEO of your mobile site will drive your ranking. So from an SEO perspective, you're paying a great deal of attention to uh, mobile makes a great deal of sense. Um, 
However, the last time uh, I looked at this, and it isn't that long ago, um, data from Google showed that 75% of conversions still happen on desktop. 75%. I see. So your prediction is less about the total number of searches. It is more that the searches that are driving the highest level of conversion happen on the desktop still. And so where you said for businesses, focusing on your desktop is important. That's really that your highest highest ROI searches are going to be coming on a desktop experience. Correct. So um, now, just to draw this out a little bit, when I talk about mobile, Alex should be talking about uh, in the mobile session uh, coming up at SMX West in the uh, end of this month. But um, one of the points I usually make is that this part about you know more conversion happen on on desktop, but in spite of that, I still tell people that it makes sense to design and build out your mobile site first uh, and have that design, and then extract your desktop site from it. Uh, because if you start with your desktop site, you're basically you know taking ten pounds of stuff and putting it in a five pound bag. And you know you're fighting against yourself. Or start with a mobile experience first, and then you build a wonderful desktop experience. It, you know uh, it's probably easier from a design perspective to to have a great uh, experience in both places. But um, yeah, I'm just kind of telling people don't ignore the desktop side of things because it is for a lot of people where you're going to get most of your conversions. To me, this is really a question of where your business needs to focus in terms of you know, its funnel or or its maturity, mm-hmm. where if you're looking to drive top of funnel activity, your mobile experience might be something that you want to tweak first and prioritize. If you're trying to make sure that the customers that you're getting are driving conversions, then optimizing your desktop experience might make more sense. So while I understand the point of desktop being valuable and even maybe more valuable for businesses in 2019. I think that this is a, a tricky conversation, yeah. and it kind of depends on what you're trying to achieve. Yeah. Well, that's the reason why uh, I wanted to introduce it as my third point, um, because I don't actually disagree with probably what most of the other people were saying on your session of, the, of this podcast that uh, you know mobile is incredibly important and will be a driver of you know most of your visits, and you know especially if you're a local business, you, you know you're going to have somebody down the street and. It's going to cause a walk-in, and you know any number of reasons you can argue that mobile is more important. But uh, if people are going to walk away and forget about desktop, for a lot of businesses, that's a mistake. So I feel like we've covered a lot of ground that was similar to what Jordan and I talked about in his predictions, in the sense of you know what's going to happen with the algorithm, how content is going to be refactored, mobile and voice, and and how to prioritize those. The one thing that we didn't talk about was some of the potential regulatory things that are going to happen in 2019 where Google could potentially have some regulation come down in terms of both uh, their data practices and privacy and also you know whether it's going to be considered a monopoly and whether there'll be regulation on that sense. Do you have any feelings and, and thoughts about you know how government is going to play and what that might affect SEOs in 2019? So... Um, there's the very real specter of something like GDPR, the European regulation, becoming a, a something that the U.S. Uh, does something similar. 
Um, this is this whole, there's, there's many elements to GDPR, but the biggest one that a lot of people have been exposed to is you arrive at a website and it tells you, you know, we cookie your machine, just be aware of that. Uh, is that okay with you or not? Uh, so, and we're all familiar with that because we see it when we go to a new website for the first time. And the U.S. could do something similar to GDPR in that sort of general direction. It's very, you know, privacy protection oriented. At least that's what it's trying to do. Uh, I do think that GDPR is already at a point where it's, you know, people have snow blindness about it. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> they click the button. Go. I got another email from another company saying they're going to do something with my data. Yeah. They're all the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, I don't have time for this. I'm trying to get something done. Uh, kind of thing. Um, in terms of the monopoly, that is a very interesting thing. We've we've had this kind of weird trifecta of things going on for a while, and that is Microsoft uh, and Bing. You know, they, they um, don't want people to realize how small their market share is in the U.S. And you know, there isn't any really good data on that um, because it's not in their interest. They're trying to get people interested to advertise and being advertising, right, and being ads. And then we have Comscore, which happily reports that Microsoft, including the Yahoo stuff, is somewhere between 30 and 35% of the market. And you know, anybody who looks at a, the analytics for numerous large brand websites like I do, can tell you that ain't the case. Mm-hmm. Uh, 10 at best. And then Google, of course, which doesn't want to talk about it being any bigger than what Comscore says, you know, uh, because they don't want to be thought of as a monopoly. So we have these three parties colluding for different reasons. And, and colluding, I, I've, I've got to be careful of that word. It's not active collusion. It's three parties agreeing on data that may or may not be 100% accurate. <laughs> it, for their own reasons, which are very, very different. Right. Now, you know, it's it's the kind of an interesting environment. Um, I don't know that I've actually seen any material action, you know, uh, moving forward in the U.S. around, you know, addressing mon- the monopoly uh, possibility, but certainly the case in, in Europe uh, where there's been active discussion about it and potentially addressing it. It's, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and we, while we're talking about this, we might as well throw in the whole business of uh, net neutrality, also uh, network neutrality, and that potentially, I mean, it, it technically has been repealed, but not through all the various appeal processes and the like. Um, it's repealed-ish. Yeah. Well, yeah. So it's uh, there is a crapload of big things that could happen that could change the face of what we're dealing with in very dramatic ways. And for my part, you know, I, I, I know that the, the true uh, concept of, uh, you know, free economies and true capitalism has a, a lot of danger to it. Uh, but when it comes to access to the Internet, it, it's worked. Yeah, there's been a lot of you know, good and bad things that happened. But in aggregate, it's worked really well to have a free and open Internet. Uh, I hope and pray that that continues. It's the... It's responsible for a major economic boom and a lot of innovation and uh, has uh, resulted in, in a way that has really allowed a lot of people with you know, even very limited resources but a lot of creativity and energy to, to prosper. So a really a great promise of you know, a certain amount of democratization of it all. 
I'm such a big fan of that. I, 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 I'm terrified of it going away. As for Google's piece in it, they do need some regulation, you know. I mean, they are in the business of making money and, and they, they may have a do no evil creed, but, you know, they're a business and they're a public company. And so coming up with the right level of that is very tricky. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, I, I think you and I see this very similarly. I, I don't necessarily think that the regulation in terms of a monopoly is coming based out of the United States in 2019. I think that it's a little too complicated to say Google has a monopoly of search and that should be regulated when they're competing with Amazon and you know Facebook on some level for the ad dollars and Apple on devices. They're fighting a multi-front war, and so I have a hard time believing that Congress is just going to come down specifically on Google. If you have, if you do that, how are you not coming down on Amazon for e-commerce or Apple for, you know, some what of an ownership of the device space? Yeah, I just think that it's it's too complicated to draw that line in the sand. I do agree with you that you know the privacy regulations is more likely going to hit this year. Yep, and in terms of net neutrality, you know, absolutely think that it will have an impact. I'm not really sure, you know, what it will be in terms of impacting SEOs or Google, but, you know, just the, the freedom of the web and, and innovation in general, I think, will be stymied if, if there is regulation on that front. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, before we let you go, any last words of advice for SEOs as they're preparing and executing their 2019 strategies? So, um, well... I'm going to go back to my second point for a moment, my second prediction. You want the layout for how to grow your traffic? Content, content, content. Don't, don't use uh, you know, cheap copywriters. Use subject matter experts so you're writing content to solve the real problems for users. Google is eating it up. They love it. Uh, it's simple. The time to ROI is short. You know What could be better? So that's sort of my... Number one recommendation, uh, you know, voice, the you know, said it isn't going to go that fast, but there's some great branding opportunities there right now, for sure. And uh, in spite of my third prediction and the way I chose to frame it, uh, absolutely mastering mobile, you've got to do it. It's a big area of focus for people. Okay. Well, Eric, thank you so much for making the time. I appreciate you sharing your predictions with us. Absolutely, Ben. Thanks for having me. I appreciate uh, the opportunity to be on the show. Okay, that wraps up this episode of the Voices of Search podcast. Thanks for listening to my conversation with Eric Enga, who is the General Manager of Proficient Digital. If you'd like to learn more about Eric, you can click on the link in our show notes to his LinkedIn profile, or you can send him a tweet at Stone Temple. That's S-T-O-N-E-T-E-M-P-L-E. Or you can visit his company's website, which is stonetemple.com. And a special thanks to Previsible for sponsoring this podcast. If you're looking for support with all of your SEO needs, Previsible's integrated consulting model is there for you. They draw on a collective 40 years of SEO and digital marketing experience to help you unlock your organic search and growth opportunities. So join brands like Yelp, eBay, Canva, Atlassian, and Square, all who rely on SEO consultants at Previsible. For more information, go to previsible.io. That's P-R-E-V-I-S-I-B-L-E dot I-O. And a special thanks to Ahrefs for sponsoring this podcast. Monitoring your website used to require multiple expensive tools, but that's not the case anymore thanks to Ahrefs. 
because they just launched their Ahrefs Webmaster Tools product, which monitors your SEO health, helps you keep track of your backlinks, and gives you the insight into what keywords are performing for free. So check out Ahrefs Webmaster Tools at ahrefs.com slash A-W-T. That's Ahrefs, A-H-R-E-F-S dot com slash A-W-T. If you have general marketing questions or if you'd like to talk about this podcast, you can find my contact information in our show notes or you can send me a tweet at Ben J. Shap. That's B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And if you like this podcast and you want a regular stream of SEO and content marketing insights in your podcast feed, hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed next week with our last set of SEO predictions for 2019. Lastly, if you've enjoyed this podcast and you're feeling generous, we'd be honored if you'd leave us a review in the iTunes store or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Okay, that's it for today. But until next time, remember, the answers are always in the data.